Hi, everybody. My name is Emily, host of the Fuel Your Freedom podcast. In the health and fitness space, there can be so many rules, recommendations, and oftentimes restrictions. On this show, we talk all things freedom. Whether you've been training for years or are looking to take the first steps in your health and fitness journey, this show will fuel your body, mind, and soul to break free from what you've heard in the past and find your version of health and fitness, the one that works for you. Now let's fuel our freedom. Welcome back to episode 8 of the Feel Your Freedom podcast. Thank you so much again for tuning in. This week we are talking all about protein. So specifically we are going to cover four ways to get more protein in your diet. All right. So if there's one macronutrient that people, whether it's members, clients I've worked with in the past, just in general, I think a lot of people struggle with getting protein in their diet. It has a ton of benefits, right? Especially when we're training hard at the gym. It's the building block of the macronutrients if you want to put it in a category, right? So carbohydrates is our energy, fat is our protection, and protein is the building block. It helps maintain muscle and other tissues throughout the body. So yeah, it's important. The recommended daily serving amount is about 0.8 to 1.2 grams per kilogram of body weight. But there's a host of different ways that we can calculate based on your training history, current training, training volume, style of training, body size, your sex, past history with dieting, movement level throughout the day, and just so many other factors, right? So that 0.8 to 1.2, well, it's a recommendation, but we might fall somewhere within that range. That's quite the range. Uh, If we look at like pounds, right, each of those is essentially doubled to not do the math. So it's going to be pretty high um, in, in comparison for a lot of people, depending on where your body is and what you're doing with your body, right? So, and I use high as a relative term. We'll kind of learn later on some of those daily values that are used when labeling foods and kind of how that discrepancy lies with us. So the bottom line, it's essential, right? Yet a majority of people struggle to eat protein throughout the day. Carbs and fat are abundant and often easy to get in throughout the day, right? If we use a typical gas station as an example, there are chips, chocolate bars, soda, pretzels, nuts, candy. The options are truly endless, right? Again, I keep using that term, but like there's really so much. I think we've all been in a gas station, so we can picture the aisles. We know what we're looking at there. None of them are bad, right? None of those foods are essentially bad. I don't think any foods are good or bad. But at the same time, none of those foods are really, quote unquote, high in protein either. In Wisconsin, we do have the benefit of Quick Trip, and they have Greek yogurt, hard-boiled eggs, and sometimes protein shakes as some protein-high options, but I know that's not the case at every gas station. And I also know that in Wisconsin, that's recent, right? That hasn't always been the case that you can go in and find a Greek yogurt, a low-fat cheese, a hard-boiled egg, right? Those haven't been around for as long as, as long as we think. So 
yeah, a gas station is an easy example here, but it happens elsewhere too, right? If we think of a portion size at a restaurant, if I order a, oh gosh, I don't know, like a pasta with some sort of chicken, in comparison, there's going to be way more pasta, aka carbohydrates, than there is going to be chicken, aka protein, right? And that's all going to be cooked in a host of likely oils or butters, which is going to be fat, right? So we have to take all these things into consideration. But then this gets into what I was talking about before. And one of the craziest kind of parts of this is there's misconceptions on what quote unquote high in protein really means. So let's take a look at the marketing and the different labeling allowances made by the powers that be, which is the FDA um, is the one that regulates all the food labeling, right? So to be labeled as high in protein, a food must contain 20% or more of the recommended daily value of the amount of the RACC. Now the RACC is the reference amount customarily consumed, okay? Quick side note on the RACC here. It differs from the serving size, right? So if we picture an item and the first one that comes to mind because I was just talking gas stations is not the small, not the like the snack size bag of chips, right? If you look at the back of that, it's going to have two nutrition labels essentially. On the left, there's going to be the nutrition label for the one serving. And right next to that, there's going to be the nutrition label for the full package, right? Now the full package is what is determined as the RACC or the reference amount customarily consumed. So this is different, right? So Often, we don't eat just the serving size out of one of those bags of chips. And they recognize this and call it, instead of saying like, oh, we reduce the size of the bag, they still sell it as 2.5 servings or 2 servings or 3.5 servings or whatever it is, right? But in 2016, they passed that if it's within a certain range, they have to also label the food label nutrition facts, if you will, for the RACC as well, right? So if that makes sense for you, so we have two labels side by side, the serving size, and then the RACC. RACC can be different and aka larger than the serving size, but they're now required only as of July 2019 to have all of their packaging up to code. So it passed in 2016. They gave everybody about three years to get everything together to have all those labels in alignment with that new thing. So now that we're through that quick deviation there, back to protein. So when we're talking food labeling, the daily value that they use of protein is 50 grams. Now let's think back to our, let's just use one as an example because I'm not trying to use math as a tough thing here. So math, one gram per kilogram body weight is going, that person, right, is going to be, if it's then 50 grams of protein, and you're going to have to bear with me for math here, but it's going to be like 120-ish pounds person, the person will be, okay? That's fairly low on the grand scheme of things. I would argue if you're someone that's training regularly, Pursuing a, pro, or pursuing a weight loss goal and you want to maintain muscle mass, that 50 grams is likely low uh, for a lot of people, right? So while it does fall within the range and the recommended range, everyone is so different in their training, 
style, type, etc. So many variables that I mentioned before that that 50 grams we can't always say is right for you. Therefore, when we read things that are high in protein on the shelves, you're kind of left high and dry, right? These quote-unquote high in protein products often contain just over 10 grams of protein, right? To be high in protein. But then there's even other foods that can be labeled as a good source of protein that have to contain 10 to 19% of the daily value per the recommended or the per the reference con- customarily consumed amount, okay, the RACC. So about 5 to 9.5 grams, right? So if you're someone that doesn't know either of these things, you might think high in protein, good in protein, awesome. Like let's grab it. But often these foods come with a host of other macronutrients, right? We're not just having a super lean chicken breast or a cut of meat that doesn't have any fat on it or again like a 99% ground meat. Uh, we're not we're not just having protein. It's not just a protein shake that's labeled as high in protein. There's often carbs and fat associated. Personally, when I look at a food for it to be for me a protein source in my diet, I want that food to contain majority protein in comparison to carbohydrates and fats, right? Or contain at least one serving of protein which is about 20 grams-ish, right? So it can have more carbs and fats, and I can count those and kind of portion those out as servings in and of themselves. But if something doesn't have high protein, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's a protein source, right? Well, yes, there is protein sources that I'll mention later, like an egg, right? has seven to nine grams, right? But we don't often eat just one egg. So kind of keep that in mind. But if you're looking at a meal or a snack, right? And I'm going to grab something off of the gas station shelf. We'll just keep going with this analogy or this example. If I'm going to grab something off the snack gas station shelf and I want it to be a protein snack, I'm not going to reach for like peanuts, right? Of course they have protein. They might be marketed as a good source of protein, but as an informed consumer, I know that there's also a significant portion of fat in those and they might not be the most protein high thing that I could choose there, right? So with marketing against us and protein, kind of a tricky macronutrient to figure out, how can we get more protein in our diet? So let's dive into those four ways. First, and I kind of hinted at this here, educate yourself about protein, right? Do you know off the top of your head foods that contain majority of protein, right? If not, building this knowledge base can be super powerful. It goes with you everywhere you go. So some examples are lean cuts of meat, white fish, shellfish, jerky, egg whites specifically, Greek yogurt. Most protein powders, especially the whey protein powders, are going to be most majority protein as well. Um, but this isn't an all-inclusive list, right? Take time to search through your favorite foods. Find out what macronutrient they are predominantly. Even if you have no interest in tracking your food, knowing the f- knowing what macronutrient is in the food can be super powerful when you're building your meals and your menus throughout the week. It's truly the gift that keeps on giving, right? 
you'll have this knowledge forever and be able to assess at a glance if your protein or if your plate contains one of these protein options. Now, I do want to give a caveat here. I know that not everyone that listens to this podcast will consume animal products, and I just mentioned a whole host of them, okay? Or they might not even want to consume a majority of them. There are plant-based foods that contain protein. So we can look at things like seitan, tofu, um, different beans like yums. They all have protein in them. However, they're often high in carbohydrates and fats, right? It just simply requires a little bit more pre-planning and a little bit more thought behind, hey, what are my carbs? What is my protein? How much protein am I actually getting? So this leads me to my next tip, plant-based eating or not, planning ahead. When you're doing your weekly grocery list, make sure that one of these protein options are listed, if not more than one, most likely. You can make sure there's a variety and that they're ones that you'll actually consume throughout the week. This is key. Okay, so personal example. I'm not a big tuna person, but tuna packets are super convenient. They're super high in protein. There's hardly anything else in them. So sometimes I'll pick up a few at the store thinking, oh, this is such an easy protein option. I'm going to grab some crackers. Super simple, right? But without fail, they sit in the cupboard untouched for at least a couple weeks, right? They sound good. They look good on paper, but they're not my favorite. And I always choose other options. So it's key to have options in the house and in the grocery cart before they even get to the house that are ones you'll actually eat, not just foods that look high in protein or say they're high in protein. Again, like I mentioned before, planning ahead can be especially important for those plant-based eaters who are listening to this podcast. Since there are only a few only protein options, right, when we're plant-based and a lot of those are those protein powders, often those carbohydrates and fat, you'll want to make sure that we're getting a good balance in throughout your meal and not counting a carbohydrate source as a protein source and then also having a carbohydrate source with your meal, right? So for example, if I have, um, ooh, one thing I really like to make in the winter is like a, ooh, it's like an, a butter, an Indian butter style type of chickpeas, right? Now, it's served then with rice and non bread. So we have chickpeas, which yes, they have protein, but they're also pretty high in carbs. We have rice, which is going to be my carbohydrate. And then we have non, which is even more carbohydrate if I do choose to make that, right? So there's conceivably three, pro- three carbohydrate, excuse me, options. And there's not really one that's high in protein. So that's a recipe that I often will add chicken breast to or a ground meat to, to up that protein content. So again, this also ties back into the gas station example as I give in the beginning, as well as one of my tips later on. But when we take time to plan ahead, we can make sure we have protein on hand when we're on the go in our other meals are higher in protein. So we know if we are going to be running around, we have those things on deck, right? Which ties into my next example. And I think you're kind of seeing that all of these really tie into each other, but making sure that protein is in every meal. Now, this sounds kind of silly, but it can prevent you from getting to the end of the day with a huge protein deficit. That's a really tough spot to be in, right? So when we're at the end of the day, if you are tracking your calories or your macronutrients and you get to the end of the day and you have 
barely any carbohydrates left for your day, barely any fats left for your day, and a whole bunch of protein, food options are slim with that little wiggle room, especially if you are trying to be fairly spot on, okay? So these are the days where we consume those adequate carbohydrates and fats, but the protein is low. However, if we planned ahead, we had those options in the house, and we made sure we're incorporating them into each meal, we can make sure we have enough protein throughout the day so we don't end up in this position. So earlier I mentioned the grams per day that are the recommendation, right? That 0.8 to 1.2. But we know that food tracking isn't everyone's favorite, nor is it always practical. And we're not always wanting to look at food as those numbers. So at Unity, we often use the hand as your portion size. So for protein, we want about a palm size portion for women and two palm sizes for males in each meal. So this will roughly equate to about 20 to 30 grams per protein or per serving, excuse me, uh, of your protein source, right? Now, again, keep in mind, this is a great place to start, but you still might need more or less depending on all of those factors I mentioned before, activity, type, level, body size, movement throughout the day, body fat percentage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a starting point. Make sure we're there. And then if we feel like we need more protein, uh, we can add more, right? If you're always hungry, adding more protein can help with satiety. If you're in a fat loss phase and you have a way to measure your body fat, you notice you're losing muscle mass, adding more protein can help stave that off if you're in a calorie deficit, right? So a whole different uh, kind of discussion there on if we need more protein, but just getting in enough protein is kind of that baseline. Our fourth and final suggestion here is to choose high-protein snack options. Now, we want these to be truly high in protein, not just marketed as high in protein, but if you're struggling to get in protein during your meals, choosing snack options that are high in protein is a super easy way to add to your intake. It sounds like a simple swap, Right, but having like those 10 to 15 grams in your snacks throughout the day can really add up. If one of your meals is lower in protein, this can help make up the difference, or it can add to an already adequate protein filled diary intake, dietary intake, right? So, some great snack options I love Greek yogurt, hard boiled eggs, especially if you add maybe an extra egg white right? If you just don't eat the yolk, the yolk has all the good fat and there's lots of awesome nutrients in it. But if we're looking to up purely protein, we're going to be looking specifically for those egg whites, right? Protein shakes. And then there's some protein bars that can be good as well. Now, again, that kind of gets into that caveat of like, yes, they're high in protein, but they're also a little bit higher in carbohydrates. So just be mindful that it might be a bigger snack than uh, if you do choose one of those options, right? So again, this is, this snacking is the icing on top of the cake, right? It's really tricky to get your full protein intake through just these types of snacks. But they can add to a diet that's already pre-planned and thought out ahead of time, okay? So there you have it. A little bit about marketing of protein, uh, some recommendations there as far as intake and four tips to get more protein out of your diet. And now it is time for our M-Powered Action for this week. 
this week, I want you to take note of your dietary intake. What are your go-to protein sources? Are there meals that are consistently lacking in protein? What could you add to them to increase the protein of those meals? What small additions or swaps can you make if you are in a position where overall, maybe not in a specific meal, you have to increase your protein intake or you should or you feel like you should? If you are eating enough protein, I'm going to challenge you to find a new protein source, right? So it's not just for those of us that might not be eating enough protein, but Find a new protein source to add to your diet. Maybe it's a different cut of meat. Maybe it's a new seasoning. Maybe it's a new recipe altogether. But branch out. Find find different ways to add protein into your diet that you might not have considered before that might become those staples and those favorites for you. So that is all I have for this week. As always, thank you all so much for listening, reviewing, sharing this podcast with friends, family, coworkers, etc. I really, truly appreciate it and helps this podcast grow and just reach so many more people. So without further explanation or talk of protein, I'll leave you to your empowered action and chat with you next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Fuel Your Freedom. Remember, this show is all about action. Now it's time to take what you've learned and implement it into your health and fitness journey or even just your life. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want more, don't forget to follow me on all my social media platforms at Coach Emily Meyer and the podcast on Instagram at Fuel Your Freedom Podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll chat with you next time.